the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. I um, trust you're doing well on this very, very uh, warm day, blessed day. Um, glad to be with you. The number is one 329 for another edition of Lifeline. Two hours to go, talking about the matters that are of concern for you and of concern for me. I don't know. I really don't know. I, you know, I'm thinking about this uh, this issue that's going on with our president. It's not the biggest thing on my mind, but I am really thinking about um, the uh, the kind of growing swell on the part of the libs. That's they're pretty much saying that they're going to go forward with um, with, uh, uh, with with our arguments to impeach the president of the United States. They feel like he has, um, he has done enough, created enough havoc, broke enough laws, constitutional standards, et cetera, uh, for which they can now enter into the process of, uh, of impeachment. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I, I go all the way back personally to Richard Nixon uh, and I, I I remember that era very vividly in middle school, and um, and I, I you know I was wondering what was going on all of the all of the noise, all of the issues, Watergate for many of us, and uh, uh, and you know we had to endure little naive young Americans, particularly pre high school and high school. Uh, years we had to endure the the banter uh, between the left and the right. We had to endure the media and its own uh, prejudice towards and against the president. And, and of course, you know that whole thing always creates among uh, among Republicans and Democrats a kind of uh, a kind of uh, hostility and uh, a, a blaming, finger pointing assumption of uh, of wrong or you know assumption of right or assumption of uh, the 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 proponents uh being not guilty and the assumption of the opponents being guilty of wanting to just do something to a good press so all of us who are in the middle of that kind of stuff you know if for us it can be extremely extremely at the minimum distracting and uh and uh, on a on a larger level it can be uh disturbing, emotionally disturbing in, in many ways, because our nation is always apparently, you know, in the middle of all kinds of important issues around the world, largely wars and and economic uh, <clears throat> interests, what have you. And here we are two years into Donald Trump's 
uh, presidency. Uh, it's just it's just it seems like a relentless, relentless, relentless drive towards uh, towards uh, wanting to impeach him. Now, what I discovered during that time of the Nixon era and uh, we got past Nixon and we ended up getting uh, uh, let's see, uh, who was it? Uh, his name evades me. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. And, uh, and and after we got past the Carter era, which was an era of just kind of really weird. His presidency for me was quite weird, um, but it, it wasn't anywhere near as controversial as um, as Nixon. And then we got up out of the Jimmy Carter area era and then entered into the Bill Clinton era. I remember that distinctly. Uh, the Bill Clinton era was, in my opinion, very much like the Donald Trump era. Except in my opinion, I'll be I'll be honest with you, just the overall observation of Mr. Trump since the time he 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 announced that he would run up to now <clears throat> has just been filled with all kinds of uh, historical complications around his personality, around his his character, around his conduct around the way and manner in which he communicates. On one level, him and Bill Clinton were radically different in that Bill Clinton was much more of a politically savvy uh, hypocrite in the sense of, uh, you know, what we all knew that he was engaging in. But um, with respect to what was the overall tenure of uh, Clinton's propensities, which were the same as that of Donald Trump, and that is uh, just a propensity for women. <laughs> they both were driven by women. Uh, the problem with, with Clinton is that it was in the office, all the way up to the office. As a matter of fact, in the Oval Office, if you will. Uh, and we, we don't have any of that going on with Donald Trump. But with Trump, we have a, a, apparently a kind of behavior, a methodology, an approach on his part that that uh, disturbs a lot of people, both in the Republican Party as well as in the uh, the the, the uh, Democratic Party. And, and I, you know, I have very little time for people who are so pro-Trump that they can't even begin to demonstrate any level of objectivity concerning the difficult things, the problematic elements of Donald Trump. There are difficult things. There are problematic elements. And I know how it goes in politics. You you forge a whole host of people in front of you to defend you as lawyers and what have you, and you, you just clean it all up. I mean, you know. That's exactly how you do it. You just clean it up along the way. Um, I forget that program that was on a couple years ago with, um, what's her name? Her last name is Washington. It's not Angela Washington, but uh, Carrie Washington, I believe. And it was about the president, and I forget, seduction, some kind of term. Anyhow, the uh, that particular program lasted a couple, two or three seasons. Do you know why? Because it had major elements of truth about how our leaders appear in public. And yet, behind closed doors, there is such a radical difference of attitude, persona, language. I mean, I remember when the Nixon tapes came out. When the Nixon tape came out, it was very clear that uh, that boy, he called himself a Christian. Well, maybe, maybe he was, maybe, but I'll tell you what came out of that mouth shocked everybody. He was a potty mouth for sure, wasn't he? Just filthy, filthy, filthy mouth. Um, and, uh, you know, many, many of our presidents have been caught on mic. Uh, 
you know, not uh, aware that they were, and uh, we discovered that they they know how to appear very angelic-like uh, in the public, but yet behind closed doors, just a mess, uh, uh, just a big mess. And so here here here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, uh, I'm saying that our, uh, our president may not be impeached. I don't think he will. I, I think the Republicans have to be largely in on uh, impeachment processes to a certain degree. I think also that um, there has to be a bit more of a groundswell in terms of, uh, you know, political opinion on the ground in terms of of, of people in uh, society at large in America wanting to to uh to 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 address the president in terms of his behavior conduct and policies and and maybe want to get rid of him that definitely is not the case right now and of course you can sit up and watch CNN and Fox News and all the other programs as often many of you do uh without actually you know pushing the parameters of media uh, into areas that might be a little bit more nuanced, but maybe even even a bit more uh, accurate. And then you can watch how the poll stuff go. You know, some polls say that you know the president is doing great. Other polls are saying that he's not doing so great. He's losing ground with Republicans. Republicans are also becoming disturbed at the way he's behaving and what he's doing. And so that you're going to have all that going on, all of that going on. Uh, and of course, the president is uh, he's enjoying right now quite a bit of uh, success in terms of the economy. So, you know, when people are are working, they can put up with a bunch of junk. Again, I remember the uh, Bill Clinton era. It was almost impossible to believe that Bill Clinton was doing women the way he was alleged to be doing women. Uh, by the Republicans, you know, particularly the, the one who was kind of spearheading the uh, the buffoonery and the uh, the sort of cartoonish uh, Bill Clinton was Rush Limbaugh, if you guys recall. And uh, Ken Starr was the uh, investigating attor- attorney. And that was the era where Rush Limbaugh made a bunch of money and really became central on the map of what is called Republican conservative uh, news media. And everybody thought, you know, he was the bomb. Well, during that time, uh, you know, Clinton was exposed largely. And yet what happened? Nothing. Ultimately, uh, as much as the impeachment trial, um, you know, rose to the level of everybody seeing that, you know, he was impeachable. Um, you know, he didn't he, he wasn't he wasn't officially impeached. He didn't have to step down from office. And he survived it even to today. So uh, the only reason I'm talking about it is because I just got a feeling somewhere between now and January. A bunch of you conservatives are going to have to be trying to defend your president over against the insane, irrational, illogical uh, um, Democrats, as you will call them. Uh, having absolutely no grounds for any kind of justifiable pursuit of uh, of infractions on the part of the president, uh, because they're just loony bins like like Nancy Pelosi. That's what will be said on the part of of, of uh, Donald Trump lovers, uh, when in fact I, I've never in my whole life ever observed these kinds of events occurring, where one side is completely right. <clears throat> And the other side is completely wrong. I've just never seen it. Even when it comes to George W. Bush, uh, as much as he took on the Christian Haddon 
and uh, took office and, and, you know, did a bunch of things, leaving no child behind and all kind of faith-based stuff and then go to war in Iraq. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't behave himself in such an overtly wicked way. Yet at the same time, him and his vice president was able to establish very hefty business over in the Middle East, of which people in the Middle East are very clear on what happened when uh, the Bush administration went to war in Iraq. They're much clearer on the pillage and the control and domination and financial gain that uh, occur and still is occurring in the Middle East. They're very, if you talk to any Afghanistanian, if you talk to Pakistanians, if you talk to uh, people from Iraq, you, they will be much more vividly clear than Americans are on how Bush and Cheney stealthily established uh, a wealth plan in, uh, in in Iraq. And and I say all that to say this because I'm always operating on these political levels as a person through a biblical prism. I just, uh, you know, politics has bitten me enough over the decades in, in time past for me to never, ever again uh, put on the false lens of the Republicans are right and the Democrats are wrong. I'll never do that again. I will never say the Democrats are right and the Republicans are wrong. Never will do that again, uh, even if you lose friends over it. I'd rather lose friends who are more Democrat than they are Christian. I'd rather lose friends who are more Republican than they are Christian by letting you know Letting you know that you really need to judge righteous judgment, that you have to be uh, personally uh, objective when it comes to uh, looking at your man or looking at your woman or looking at your politicians and seeing, uh, you know, where where in fact they may be coming short. Because I think the only way you can help people that have the potential for being good leaders is if you can come alongside of them in a discreet way. In a discreet way, you don't have to throw them under the bus, but in a discreet way, uh, you know, let them know, hey, you, you're probably pushing the envelope a little bit here too much. You might want to rein it in. And I'm sure he's getting some of that kind of advice because he's he's been able to do some things along those lines in uh, 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 over the last two years, which has allowed him to be successful in certain areas. But I think he's in a quagmire right now. I don't know. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Love to hear from you. With uh, questions, with uh, concerns, uh, with uh, observations, let's just fill up this next hour and 20 minutes with theological talk, political talk, social talk, personal talk. Be glad to answer your questions. Your host, Jesse Gistin, on the Monday edition of Lifeline, the number is one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. <laughs> there goes the spaceship sound. I hope my audience is not getting that weird, crazy sound. One triple eight three six seven. One triple eight three six seven five three nine five three two nine. We're working out some technical difficulties over here, and I'm um, hearing different weird things in my ears. All right, we've got all the lines. And let me see how we can do this as we, uh, I guess I stirred some kind of conversation. I hope we're talking about a bunch of things besides impeachment of uh, potential impeachment of Donald Trump. But this is what I'll do. I'll ask you how many presidents in the history of America have have been impeached. 
Then here's a larger one for you erudites, and you'll find this out quickly because you have the uh, you have the ubiquitous Prometheus uh, omniscient Google to help you get the answer really quick. <laughs> How many officials have been impeached uh, over the history of America? Let me talk with Chuck in San Francisco on line one. Chuck, um, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, uh, my phone is kind of. I'm having it's, the volume went down all of a sudden, so I don't hear you real well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're working that. We're we're working that out. Is that better? Yeah, a little better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's going on? Okay. Oh, I'm just was glad to hear you call. I'm, I was glad to hear you say um, what you said about both about not feeling that either party was completely right or either party was completely wrong. Because that's that's how I am too. I'm. I hate to say it, but I'm not really a big fan of either party right now. <laughs> and, and what and what brought about that for you? Oh, just the the whole political climate in the last. Yeah. Um, oh, this. I, how can I say when? I guess uh, since Bush, I guess. See, there you go. Yeah. For me, it w- it went back to. Uh, well, yeah, because it was the era for me. It was the era of the Bush battle with uh, Bush one with uh, with Clinton. The battle between Bush and Clinton. Uh, right, when, actually, I was, uh, go on. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, yeah. Actually, I would have to go back to Clinton. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's when I, it kind of started. Then, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of us at that time, because I was much younger, I was in my thirties, uh, I think, at that time, and really became much more politically interested when when the media uh, became uh, dominantly talk radio became dominantly political, and we got out of the peripheral stuff, got straight straight into um, Washington politics, which allowed a lot of us to begin to actually go back to the fundamentals of. Uh, of, uh, of politics and how government works, which was cool. Rush Limbaugh did help with that regard because, you know, we, it got us, got us again back to our history book. But what I, yeah. what, what became very clear to me was that there was a major divide and that media took advantage of it and still are to this day. And as a consequence, what gets lost is truth. And, um, and you and I are susceptible to be deceived by the media when we, have the media as the only orifice by which we are, um, you know, informed. And, and it just after a while, you come to understand that there, there's some lying going on on both sides. Yeah. And it is so divided. It's so divided. Yep. And it's, and so much of the country is, well, I'm completely right. And you're completely wrong. Yep. Period, you know, on the, on both sides. Yep. Yes. Yep. One of the things I saw, one of the things I saw after a while uh, because I had also at that time, no, I wasn't a pastor at that time during the uh, uh, Clinton era. I was an elder, but I was moving towards more serious leadership uh, calling. And one of the things I saw as I was becoming much more politically savvy was how um, how patriotic Christians were in the bad sense, in the sense of a party spirit that so shaped and framed their worldview that it was almost impossible to help them see the conflation of their democratic allegiance uh, with, uh, with, with the Bible in a way that was uh, detrimental to a biblical worldview. And the same thing with, uh, re- with Republicans. Uh, I watched how the politics seeped into Christianity during my era. It was already there way before, obviously, because we have some major 
glaring contradictions in our Christian history with the way that our politics and our culture has been able to sin and Christianity not be able to really effectively call it to the carpet. But when it comes to political issues, um, it became evident to me that uh, politics has a much greater sway on American Christians than it ought to have. And as a consequence, we haven't been able to make any ground in terms of what God would be serious about. And that is unity uh, in Jesus Christ based upon a very solid and necessary biblical worldview. Uh, and therefore judge righteous judgment as John's uh, John chapter seven would, would, would put it. And, and so we have Christians divided. I'm sure that's why you are calling to affirm Chuck that, you know, that, that kind of bitter taste in our mouth is something we have to put up with virtually every two years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad that our security does lie in our Lord. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. You know? No doubt we, about we it. Can't count on the political system at all. You know, uh, and the one thing I saw was, and the one thing I've become more aware of all the time is that both parties um, and the press, the media that's involved, they um, they they, we're, they brainwash basically, or, or they 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 trick their constituency, sort of. I mean, they they just tell them what they, what they want. You know, you know what I'm saying? I do. It's like you can't, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do. I, I really, I, I, I really do. I, I think too. I think you're so right about that. And as a pastor, that's one of the things I've been warning us about for the longest. I, I have stated it, and I find myself stating it a lot, only because politics seems to want to stay front and center in the lives of people who who are feeling like politics is critical to their identity. Politics is critical to their welfare, to their uh, social. Um, stability to their psychological and spiritual um, um, uh, welfare. And, and as such, it becomes evident that that politics has the capacity for massive deception. I call it the most diabolical institution on planet Earth. Politics is the one most diabolical uh uh, institution on earth. And I, I really do describe it in terms of Revelation chapter uh, 13, where John says, I see two beasts, one coming up out of the sea and one coming up out of the water. And the first beast is what I call the beast of politics. And the second beast is the beast of false religion. And those two systems are always operating either covertly or overtly throughout history, as you saw in the days of Jesus, as you saw in the days of the Roman Empire, beginning more largely with uh, Constantine, but making its way all the way up to Charlemagne. And then all of a sudden, the Catholic Church becomes this massive imperial church slash governmental power uh, dominating the world and, 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 and all the way up to the Reformation. And uh, even up to today, while the uh, church has had a relative separation in the evangelical era, what we call Protestantism, it's only relative. The church still is steeply engaged in politics, in my opinion, uh, at an unhealthy level. And, and, And what happens there is the church then loses its fundamental divine DNA to be transformed into the image of Christ. And it takes on your, your, your historic uh, political religio institution that may have a moral ethical um, uh, significance in the culture, but it has absolutely no vital spiritual evangelical God centered uh, Christ exalting 
uh, effect on politics or culture or society. History has already proven that. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about the the two beasts, because I was reading chapter 13 not too long ago myself, and that same thing uh, that occurred to me, that the, the two beasts could be politics and the church. <laughs> so I wonder if that came from the Holy Spirit. I didn't really, you know, I... I I can assure, I can assure you I can assure you my dear brother that it did. I'm going to read a little bit of it just for our audience and then um I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you go. I really did enjoy. I do enjoy when you call. You're one of the newer callers and that's great. I'm going to read a little bit for us us in Revelation 13 and then I'll uh I'll take a break and I'll we'll uh, go to our next call. Revelation 13:1 And I stood upon the sand of the sea. This is John in his revelation, the visions that he had. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. This is your Neo uh, Daniel uh, vision of uh, Daniel seeing these same beasts rise up out of uh, Daniel 7, 8, all the way through Daniel 11 and even 12. And I stood upon the sand and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, 10 horns, and upon its horns, 10 crowns, and upon his heads, the names of blasphemy. So doesn't matter how many heads it is, what is being dominated by that politic of intellect, that, that rationale, that system of control called heads, authorities, powers, dominions, is blasphemy. So this is a blasphemous beast coming up out of the sea. The seas, according to Revelation, represents the people, the masses of society. This is why I call beast one here in Revelation 13 politics. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. His feet were feet of a bear. His mouth was the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And when you go back to Daniel chapter seven, you see that Daniel already foresaw all these beasts. He saw Babylon, Medo-Persia, the Grecian empire. And then he says over in verse three, and I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death. Uh, and that deadly wound was healed and all of the world wandered after the, after the beast. And what most uh, conservative scholars and interpreters have recognized is that this fourth beast that was wounded represents the Roman Empire that was uh, put down prophetically by the stone that was cut out without hands in Daniel 2 and 3, which would be the Lord Jesus Christ coming in the power of the gospel, impacting the Roman Empire with the gospel. But over time, the Roman Empire begins to emerge with a, a greater, fiercer imperialism in the days of, of uh, the Roman Titus, in the days of... Uh, Nero in the days of uh, Domitian and others to begin to oppose the Christians in the first century. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast who was able to make war with him. And there was given unto him, that is the beast, a beast, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. And this language here and was given unto him is what is called in grammar, a divine passive. That means the one that gave this beast power actually is God. God gave political kingdoms the authority to operate the way they do because God's sovereign. He raises up kings. He sets down kings. Again, this is the book of Daniel uh, being fulfilled from Daniel chapter 2 with the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar all the way through Daniel 12 after dealing with the Medo-Persians and King Darius and Xerxes, etc. And it says, and he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name 
and his tabernacle and them that dwell in it. In other words, political systems at the end of the day will almost always attack the church, attack the God of the church and the people of the church, that triad, God, the tabernacle, and them that dwell in in heaven, uh, refer to the people of God who worship the true and the living God. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given all over all the kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. And what our Lord by his spirit was saying through John in this verse is, if you let politics get you, it will bring you to the point where you want to kill, where you want to bring into captivity. Because all political beasts do ultimately is bring people into captivity and use the sword for judgment against societies. And when the church aligns itself up with that sword judgment mentality, then it loses its efficacy and power as the gospel, because our job is not to convert nations with the sword or bring people into captivity. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. The goal of the church is to liberate men and women from spiritual bondage by the proclamation of the gospel. We are to put down our swords and pick up our plowshares, put down our spears and pick up our pruning hooks. And both of those are metaphors for the cultivation of the gospel in the hearts of men and women. So as long as we got this kind of war mongering uh, Christianity that that sleeps with the politics in America, we're no different than the Roman Catholic Church or or the uh, Jews who were uh, in love with Herod uh, and, and, and swore to Pontius Pilate to kill Jesus and give us Barabbas. And here's the next vision, and we'll take a break here. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, which had two horns like a lamb, but spake like a dragon. And it's very clearly talking about religion because the two horns represent power as well. But this is the power of a ram. He looks like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. In other words, he is the hypocritical religious system that's empowered by Satan. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly womb is healed. What does that mean? He is in alignment and cahoots with the political system. And he actually forces the subjects that are under him to actually worship politics and worship the the uh, the Antichrist. And that's that's what's coming up here in a few moments. This is why I've always stated if you mix politics and religion together in an unhealthy way, you have a formula for the Antichrist system. And this is not popular interpretation because America, unfortunately, has collapsed into the same thing that Israel did in the first century and the church did in the fourth century and definitely in the first millennium. That whenever we start thinking that God's going to deliver us by our politicians or by our government or by our military, we have already apostatized. And and the language here gets graphic because it goes into the mark of the beast, the number of his name and his name. And all of that is not talking about you know, social security numbers or tabs under your skin. This is all a major 
major spiritual war that deceives the masses of the people into paying allegiance to and homage to this world system, politics, and religion, but it's an apostate system that does not rightly represent the person and work of Jesus Christ. Anyhow, I'm way overdue, and Joel's going to have to actually fix a lot of stuff so we can pay some bills, but I've got two lines open, one 367 5329 and I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. One line open, one 367 Let me hastily move to line number two and talk with Alora in Livermore. I believe, Alora, are you there? Yes, can you hear me okay? I sure can. What's your question, comment, or observation? Um, I have uh, three quick points, perspectives to make, and then a point at the end. My first um, point, uh, perspective I'd like to paint, before Trump became president, um, Trump was considered someone who was respected for his wealth. He was like in rap songs as someone to, uh, someone, uh, a status to want to reach. Second perspective is, before, um, when, uh, before Trump was president and the last administration was in, a lot of Christians were under attack for being able to speak in their churches, a lot of things were going on. I'm not pro-red, I'm not pro-blue, I'm pro-Bible, but I'll just say currently right now, Christians are not being attacked in that manner to the extent it was happening before. My third perspective is um, I call prayer lines from different church organizations, and this weekend I was calling a prayer line. One prayer line was praying for against impeachment, for this to be reversed, and protection over Trump. Another prayer line is praying for God to bring down a leader and raise another one up. And both are very anointed ministries. My point being is that right now the church is very divided, and it's important that we pray for God's will to be done. We as Christians are supposed to um, have dominion and be good stewards over this land. It's important that we also see our responsibility in being in places of influence when it comes to being in government, people who are saved. Um, I feel like there's a lack of that awareness um, around in the body of Christ, and I also feel that it's very important that we unite on the prayer front so that we can have the right to speak and be protected as Christians and be able to say um, our beliefs that line up with the Word of God. And that right now is really the focus over whatever happens with this impeachment process that we as a body are praying for God's will to be done to be protected as Christians. So I just wanted to make that point, and that's that's what I wanted to share. Okay, thank you for that. I think those are very good points to be to be made. The church does have a responsibility to pray for its leaders. The church is not obligated to choose sides. It never is. But as I stated in my commentary earlier, we happen to collapse into that because we're human and cultural issues do matter to us. The divide that you're speaking of, uh, Alora, uh, was there way before President Trump, way before President Trump. It goes all the way back to slavery, as you know. And um and and so probably one of the things for me as as history moves into the future that I am recognizing is an essential component to uh, to a purity of the church in terms of its separation of church and state, as one of our callers will be addressing here in a moment. That's why I deal with the book of Revelation. We must be careful not to so wrap ourselves in the flag 
as if to deny the authority, sovereignty, and uh, and mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, relative to the gospel, and then collapse into this dialectical process called left and right. It it just becomes a a bantering of issues, as you stated. You're talking about prayer lines. We should all be praying. It's a commendable thing. But then you're talking about prayer lines being so overwhelmingly involved in praying for Donald Trump that they're missing the bigger issue. Prayer should be about the lost. Prayer should be about revival in the church. Prayer should be about God having mercy on families because families are at the core of God's kingdom uh, expression since the beginning of time. Uh, prayer should be about God, uh, God by his uh, grace and by his angelic power, his celestial hosts through the church holding back the hordes of hell, which are coming into our homes and deceiving our children and deceiving moms and dad and, and, and perpetuating a carnal Christendom. Prayer should be about sanctification of the spirit and belief in the truth. And when that becomes the case for the church, it really doesn't matter what the political issues are. I do agree that there is somewhat of a uh, distraction on the part of uh, the left in the area of wanting to go after Christians, but a lot of our um, a lot of our advocacy groups and institutions that are addressing that issue would tell you and me that that's not true. We just don't see it in the media. They're still fiercely going after uh, the rights of uh, of Christians and others, not just Christians. I got an article in front of me. We pro- probably won't get to it today, uh, where uh, the fascist left want to cut out any. Kind Kind of free speech relative to a belief in deity, belief in God, belief in paganism, belief in in all of the expressions of folks who have a higher power that they lean into, and that's a very fascinating article. I'll deal with it later. I I would encourage Christians to to be thankful for the present relief from any kind of overt and. Uh, you know, a direct assertion on the part of our wicked politicians to want to stop us from the freedom of, uh, of, of expression and freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and freedom of worship. We're thankful for that. I do not attribute that solely to Donald Trump. Um, I I do thank God for him being not uh, a Hillary Clinton type, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on in our world for which the church needs to be a whole lot more focused relative to the glory of God, the preaching of the gospel, um, the freedom to uh, worship and the freedom uh, that we need to continue to build healthy, godly families. What's going to turn this country around is revival, Um, not the right politician in Washington, but all of your points are well taken as well. Let me see here. Um, Can I make it up to six o'clock? Okay, go. Let me go to line number three and talk our line number four. Is that Dan on line number four? Let me talk with Dan on line number four. Dan, what's your question, comment? our observation, sir. I have two comments for you, Pastor Jesse. Mm-hmm. The first one is that the talk radio, national and provincial, that the program referenced before, yeah. is really massaged. I mean, the reason I say that is that the screeners ask the callers what they're going to say, and then the host decides who to talk to and make it look like it was a real discussion, when in fact, most of the time, it's kind of a fake discussion. Agreed. Which... Uh, your talk radio does not have the dishonesty to do that, right? And it doesn't even have a reason or motivation for uh, triaging the callers, where the national and provincial well-known stations mostly do that. Yep. Because they got a dishonest agenda. Yep. 
And, um, Left and right, by the way, because uh, unfortunately, our Christian brothers and sisters oft, often do not recognize that they will sit and listen to two or three hours of a talk show program, which, like you said, operates out of a triage that is able to shape the dialogue and conversations with the callers in a way that uh, that that uh, brings an intended outcome in terms of their purpose, purpose and objective. And they will not allow callers who are willing to even call them on the carpet, whether it's a, whether it's a Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, uh, you know, uh, local talk show hosts, guys that are uh, trying to continue to, you know, push their ratings into a certain direction because they do know, Dan, that the goal is to really hoodwink as many patriotic Christians and patriotic uh, people who, who believe in God, whatever the case, in one direction or the other and not have a fair and balanced um assessment of 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 the factors and the issues i i think i agree with you uh 100 on that well thank you sir and the other comment i want to make is that when i watch donald trump and i watch uh Schiff, adam Schiff, yeah it looked to me like they would be perfectly willing in the old west to lynch one another right uh they're based on hate and and make the hateful hateful statements all the time yep and i don't know why you know, it's easy. I can you know, I can ask I can answer the question that you're about to raise. On a bad day, I would just let them have at one and just go ahead and shoot each <laughs> I other. Tell you, with, I tell you, I've know? said it. I've said it before. I've said it before. I've said, let's take some of these rulers and just put them in an octagon. Uh, and let them slug it out until one of the guys is knocked out or whatever the case may be so we can see how foolish it is for us to really put our trust in men. We say we don't, but frequently we do. And, uh, you know, just just let them have at it, and, and we can have a lot of fun laughing at the fact that we end up uh, inadvertently and unwittingly uh, shifting our faith from uh, a sovereign God who is in absolute control, whether it's Donald Trump or in the White House or whomever. But what's going on in Washington right now, as I was saying in my opening monologue, uh, Daniel, is that I, what I see with Trump in, in, in this first uh, four years, in these first two years, is that he's just um, he's a bull in a China cabinet. He's operating out of a modus operandi that he had when he was in the business world. And he doesn't do too well with the politicians in, in Washington, whether conservative or uh, liberal, whether Democrat or, uh, or a Republican, um, just because he's not that kind of man to be controlled in that kind of way. And it's having backlashes, it's having consequences. And I just, I, I, I believe, and I don't spend that much time with him on it because I, I think it's just going to show up for itself. Like I said, before he became president, that uh, if he does not have someone who can really speak into his life to help shape him around policy, shape him around the Constitution, shape him around the essential uh, presidential uh, characteristics that are necessary for him to show discretion necessary for him to show judgment necessary for him to know when to hold back and when the release, um, what he's going to be doing is catering to his constituency, which are people who don't mind um, him tearing up a bunch of stuff as long as they get their way. 
Uh, but it will, it can, and it may very well have a backlash because he has a history that uh, that that fundamentally pushes the margins on legal issues in in contracts and things like that. And that's sad because you know there is some good coming out of uh, the White House uh, on his part, but that can all be uh, countermanded by uh, his lack of discretion if he's not careful. Listen, thanks for the call. Um, I'm going to take a break. I've got three lines open, or maybe two. Two lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We can continue discussion. This discussion, we can talk about uh, the revelation. We can talk about a bunch of things on the Monday edition of Lifeline, but we've got to pay some bills, and then we can continue in a moment. I'll be right back. 